So tonight is all about sharing our story. It's going to be more application than it is a deep doctrinal study. It is a doctrinal study, but it won't be as heavy as some of the ones that we've had in the past. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Christ. A witness means the evidence given a report or testify. It means to share what you've experienced or what you have learned for yourself. To preach literally means to proclaim. The Bible talks a lot about preaching the word of God. It doesn't mean that you have to have a Bible degree and a pulpit in front of you. It literally means to proclaim the word of God, to share it, to open up your mouth. The word lost means that they're unable to find one's way, not knowing one's whereabouts. The word compassion means an inward affection to see a need and you do something about it. These are all terms that are going to pop up as we're going through our study tonight. The gospel means good news. And we even study that on Sunday. Our memory verse will be Acts 1.8, and we're talking about the importance of sharing the gospel. Questions that we're going to go through. What does it mean to be a disciple? What is the condition of the unsaved? What motivates us to share the gospel? Why don't more Christians share the gospel with others? And how do I share or how do you share your story? So this summer course is called Discipleship Deep Dive. I want us to know and thoroughly understand what it means to be a disciple to be a disciple, to, to understand that Jesus was on a mission, and when he came, he came to make disciples. He didn't come just to die on the cross. It was, it was more than just dying on the cross, and don't get me wrong, that was the mission. He came to die for our sins, to redeem us, that was. But along the way, he had a plan to train and call disciples to make disciples to make disciples to make, you guys get the point. Yep. <clears throat> it was a mission. The Bible says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Okay, that he, he was in this mode constantly, everywhere that he went. That, that is why he would reach, teach to a, a crowd of people one minute and go to the woman that was sitting on the well the next minute and, and go across the sea to be able to find a man that was possessed with demons. He went to seek and to save that which was lost, constantly on a mission. He said, well, that was Jesus. Is anybody here claimed to be a Christian? Christ-like. That's what we are as Christians. We're followers. We're disciples. Jesus was leading others to be on a mission. He started his public ministry by recruiting people to follow after him and make disciples. And he said unto them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you know a lot of times in churches and Christian circles, we stick to the first half of that? I'm just following Jesus. Jesus said, stop. You're not just following me. You're following me to learn how to be fishers of men. Amen. And he was just using that visual because they were fishers. They, they were, and Jesus was saying, I'm, I'm going to teach you to go after and pull them in. That's what I'm going to teach you to do. Jesus was making disciples that would multiply this. <clears throat> we're going to get into this a lot more as we, we talk about Mark on Sundays, that Jesus came to give us the good news and it has to be shared and that allows us to know that you have a purpose for your life. And the, the purpose is way bigger, way bigger than getting up, going to work, getting a check, and paying bills. But I think sometimes that's our whole purpose in life, and we try to squeeze in these things as we go along. But man, if we understand that my, the reason that I breathe and that the calling on my life is to seek and to save that which is lost, and along the way... I have to work a job to pay my bills. And that doesn't mean that you call in every day because you're going to go find people on the streets. 
But it does mean that you have your eyes and ears open constantly to the needs of others, to magnify God. We've got to start with this right perspective of the world around us if we're going to do this. So understand that you're a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You've been called with this purpose. This is who you are. But I want to look at the other side of it, of the people that are reaching. What is the condition of the loss? Because I think sometimes we get so frustrated. And if you've heard me preach or been in our church for any length of time, you've heard me share this before. We get so frustrated with the loss. Why are they doing that? I can't believe they vote this way. I can't believe they do it this way. I can't believe they, they'll act this way. And, and we get so frustrated with them that almost it's like we're, we're picking sides, like, like, like we're going to war with them. The Bible gives a description of the lost, or the, I say the lost, of them being lost, of the unsaved being lost. Have any of you ever been lost before? Yep. I, I mean, before the day and age of GPS, we used to get lost all the time. And you get just so confused and you just get, pull over and you pull out the map and you're, you're, you're frustrated and your wife's saying, oh, we're going to be late. Oh, no, we're going to be late. I don't know where we're at. And she's like, you got the map upside down or you're looking at it or you're on the wrong page and you're just so confused. Think about that description when Jesus said that we're lost. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. It, that's, that's not just us coming out with a, a cute illustration. That was Jesus illustrating this, saying if our gospel, what is the gospel of the good news is hid, if we're not sharing it, then we're, we're hiding it from those that are lost. But man, Christians are so quick to say, I can't believe in the world we live in and June rolls around and the flags go up and everything. We're just so mad and frustrated. Uh, let me just remind you, they're lost. And when they're lost, they're going to be looking for things and, and, and doing all the wrong things because they're lost. Uh, good news is only good news if it gets there in time. And you say, well, we have the good news. That's why it says if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. The Bible gives a description that the unsaved are walking in darkness. I think about the, the, they're walking in darkness. For we were sometimes in darkness, but now you're the light and the Lord. Walk as children in the light. The, the, the idea of that is that they can't see. They, they can't see. They, they trip over things and make decisions. And it goes into the Bible describes them as having blinded minds. For if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. Think about that description that he was saying that blinded the minds of them that believe not. They just can't. My brother Denny, when he got saved, and you've heard me share this if you've been in our church before or for a while, he, when he got saved and he grew up in a Christian home just like I did, but he said, Tony, I'm telling you for the first time, and this was out of, his whole, out of his own lips, he said it was like somebody reached in and, and pulled the string and turned the light on. And he said, in that service, he said, I, I just everything just made clear who Jesus was and my condition and being lost and everything. And so, and Satan loves for that light not to turn on. But it's not us that turns on the light. It's the glorious gospel of that. Amen. Our mission is to shine the light in the darkness. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. You say, well, that's bad because Jesus left and he sent it back up into heaven. No, I've got good news. Jesus said also, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill can not be hid. He's still, alive. he's still alive and he's living through us today. He passed, that's why he was making disciples. 
to pass on the line. Our lives, our witness should be obvious. That the, the way that we talk, the way that we live and all these things. That's why he said, let your light so shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is your testimony. This is the love that you have for them. Let me take it further, the practical. This is where you say that I obey God and I, I try to do the right thing. And then you show up on time at work. And you work hard. And you respect authority. And we do the things that we should be living out, the Christian character, because what's inside of you, the light that's shining, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, temperance, faith. You know, ask Garrett. Faith, temperance, against such there is no law. These things should be living out in our life. That's what the light is. So they, they ought to see and experience something different. So the question is, what motivates us to share the gospel? There are four principles that motivate us to demonstrate the urgency to share the gospel. One is it's, just, it's a command of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not an optional. It's not like you see some people doing it and you just say, well, that's just not my thing. It's, if you were saved, it is your thing, okay? Jesus said in the commandment, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Who was he talking to? He was talking to the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ, the ones that believed in him. It's not about sitting around waiting for people to come into the church. And I know that is sometimes the mindset. Well, I hope God does something great today and people are saved. So do I. But I'm going to tell you this. No lost people are going to just walk into a church because Satan has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. Let me, let me put it like this, and I hear this illustration all the time, so let's make some application. How many of you firmly believe as a comparison or illustration that the church should be like a hospital? Some of you, okay, amen. It should be like a hospital. It's a place to get help and, and everything like that. If that illustration is true, then every one of us should live our lives like we're in ambulance. We're, 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 we're running to the sick not just standing there out in front of the, the hospital with a sign saying, I hope sick people come. We're, we're to seek and to save that which is lost. That, that is the mindset of what we do. And so you have to have the mindset of understanding that there's an urgency because God has given us the command to do it. It's not an option. Number two, the reality of eternal separation from God. When people don't know Christ, they die and go to hell. That's not me being mean or me. That, that is just the truth. That should motivate us. That should wake us up. That should bother us. Especially when you start thinking about your family, your grandkids, your, your kids, whatever. It should bother you. Uh, the, 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 there should be a personal desire to share the gospel because my life has been transformed. You, you think about the disciples when they said, for we cannot but speak these things which we have seen and heard. It says, well, I'm not going to be quiet. Threaten me all you want. I can't. God's done so much for me. And on Sundays, we'll, we'll, we'll brag and sing, and God has been good, and God is faithful and amazing grace, and all the songs that we sing. Well, how dare we take that good news and we walk out of here and we don't share it? It would be like having the cure to cancer, and you didn't come and tell me about it. You say, I would never do that. Well, we're doing something even in a greater capacity when we have the gospel and we don't share it. Because the world is dying from something greater than cancer. They're dying of sin. Amen. Also, the Holy Spirit prompting and directing those that are ready to receive the gospel. 
There's people that are ready to receive the gospel. In, in, in Acts 16.9, and a vision appeared unto Paul in the night, and there stood a man in Macedonia and prayed, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And the Spirit of God was guiding Paul to do that. I, I told some of you this story. I can't remember when I shared it. And when we had the Dare for More conference uh, here at Fellowship, and it was a lady conference, so it was Friday and Saturday. And I was standing at the door greeting, and the lady walked in, and I said, do you know where to go? And she looked at me, and she says, no. I'm like, well, the, 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 the meeting's down the hallway. And she was like, what meeting? And I'm like, oh, what are you here for? And I was like, because I was just greeting ladies after. She just came in because the doors were open. And she broke down crying, and she said, she told me, she said, I'm in AA, and she said, I'm an alcoholic. And she said in her last meeting, they were talking about a higher power. She said, but the problem is they never told me who the higher power is. So she said, I've been driving from church to church on a Friday night, finding a church that was open because she said, I need to know who this higher power is. Amen. And she walked through the door of the church and I said, well, come back on Sunday. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know everybody was like, how dare you? <laughs> I, it, so I, we just came in this room over here, and I sat down, and I told her the story. She gave her life to Christ, yes. and it was, it was that simple. But let me tell you, and that was, just, that was just a couple of months ago. There are people like that all the time. We, we had a young man that, got, uh, that was saved and came into our church, and eventually he led his fiancée to be saved. And he told, he told me a story of how he got saved, and he literally told me, he said, Tony, he said, I knew that I needed Jesus. He said, I went to the library trying to find books about the God that would save and help you. He said, I didn't look up Jesus. He said, I did not know. He said, I was just looking up books on Jesus. He said, I couldn't find anything. He said, I was driving down the road and Adrian Rogers, I was looking through the radio and Adrian Rogers, a lot of you guys know him, Amen. a great preacher, man of God, was on there and he said, if you want to know who Jesus is, let me tell you. He pulled his car over to the side of the road, turned up the radio and gave his life to Christ as opposed to the radio station being on there. From that, he brought his fiance to church. They both were saved in our church, both baptized, and God changed their life radically. See, the Spirit of God is working, and a lot of times we have to be sensitive to the, of God letting us just step into these situations. But the, these, these are reasons that, that to know that God is working. And we'll explain some of this as we go, but I'm just going to tell you, do not quench the Spirit of God. Um, some of these things should drive us every single day to share the gospel. And, and I'm just saying there's an urgency. And we can sit in a class like this, but I don't want this discipleship deep dive should turn into a discipleship deep drive. I don't know how to say but it. But it should, it should motivate us to put these things into action. Most Christians do not share their story for a few reasons. Number one, they are afraid. The idea of opening their mouth to talk about Jesus to a coworker or neighbor scares them. I just want you guys to recognize that that is spiritual warfare. Who, who, who in the spiritual realm does not want you to open your mouth up to share the gospel? It is Satan. And the Bible says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Power is that dunamis power that he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. And that's what he said. I'm, I'm going to equip you to do what you cannot do. Uh, the, the power of the love is the drive to do that. 
Man, if, if I would not just run into a burning building, I just wouldn't do it. I mean, you come up and say, hey, Morgan's in there. I'm going to knock you over to get to that door, to get into that house. Love will drive you. That's, that's what's in our minds. That's the power of God, the working of the Spirit of God, and of a sound mind. A sound mind is when we get the thing that's saying, they're going to, they're going to make fun of you, you're going to fall on your face, and you're going to make a fool of yourself. A sound mind is, is, is truth that comes to your mind to say, that is not true, where God says, I have promised you this, that I will never leave thee nor, nor forsake thee. Do you know when the Bible says that I'll go with you to the end of the world was when he gave them the commandment to go and preach the gospel. The very promise that I'll be with you is is wrapped right alongside of the fact that God said that I will go with you when you go to stand up for me. So one of the things is is fear. Uh, Number two, they do not have a sense of urgency of sharing the gospel. We're, We're so prone to be busy. Like, you know, have you ever stopped to witness your neighbor? I see him in the yard all the time. Man, I just, we're just so busy. There's, we just get, we procrastinate. And the Bible says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, buying up the time because you know the days are evil. Man, taking advantage of opportunities because you have the opportunity to do it. Number three, they do not see people the way that Jesus sees them. Do you see them as lost? I mean, you think, I think about the woman at the well. Do you know why she went in the cool of the day or the middle of the day and not the cool of the morning? Because she'd been married five times. She went when nobody else was going. But, you know, the Bible says that Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. You know why he said that? There's a woman that needs me. And, and when you start seeing people the way that Jesus sees people, you're going to go out of your way to connect with people because you see them as having a great need. When Jesus went out of his way to meet her, other people would have said and walked past her. And, and this is sometimes of us. If you hear how many times she's been married. And that, just, that just stirred God, Jesus up to, to meet that need because he knew that she was missing something greater than a spouse in her life. The Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said unto his disciples, the, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye there, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. He saw them. He was moved with compassion. That compassion is an inward affection. It, it's a brokenness for the loss. The Bible says, look not every man on his own thing, but every man on the things of others. It's not about duty. It's, it's, it's more than, it's not just about having to do this because it's a command. And don't get me wrong, we should do it because if it's a command. But it should, that command should go from our heads to our hearts. I was, um, and I'm not saying, all all I have is my personal testimony, so don't sit there and think, he's just bragging on himself. Uh, When when Logan, in 2021, he had his surgery, uh, Donnie was there. He was one of the nurses in the ER with us, or in the uh, surgical room at OSU. Um, And uh, when we had that surgery, we went to the waiting room, and of course, your mind's in a thousand places, you know, when, when you're doing that, and you're watching the phone and watching for them to call you back and things like that. I'm sitting there, and in front of me is a guy, turned his chair to the window, and just was like, like, like a man would cry. He was weeping, but he was trying to hold back tears, and he just, he was a mess, and then he got on the phone, he was talking on the phone, and they said, she's, she's not doing well, and surgery's not going well, and, and, and I don't know what's going to happen, whatever, 
And I just got up and I went and sat next to him and said, I don't know if you're making you uncomfortable. And I said, clearly you're hurting right now. And I said, can you just tell me what's going on? And I'll tell you, God opens doors like that all the time if you just have eyes to see people the way that Jesus saw people. And we get so motivated when we read the Gospels. We'll be so motivated going through Mark over the summer. But it's, got, it's to, to catch into our spirit of our hearts, to look up. Jesus said in John 4, 35, lift, lift up your eyes and look. Open your eyes. There's hurting people everywhere. It says we should have the prayer when we go out in the morning. Lord, help me to see people today. I, I challenge you guys this, and maybe we'll do the testimony next week. Just, I challenge you this. Just, Lord, let me see somebody that I can be a blessing to this week. Let me be, see somebody that I can share the truth or share the gospel. Or it may be, if it's even on the other end, I told you guys, sometimes it's, it's a 20-second a, a evangelism thing where you're just on the elevator and you're just talking, the door's shut, and you just go, how are you doing? And, and you just talk and say, man, I pray that you have a great day. And then you get off and you say, well, you didn't share the gospel, but I could have just planted a seed or, or sparked something in your heart you don't know. You say, you should have taken it further. If that's all I've got, I'm going to redeem the time because the days are evil. Here's the other thing. They don't know how to share the gospel. There's a lot of people that just don't know. Uh, and, and here's the advice is just prepare yourself. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready. Always to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. Just be ready. You say, how do you do that? You guys are sitting in it as we speak. This is how we do it. This week and next week is all wrapped around this whole, uh, this whole subject of sharing our faith. And then study and learn. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Just study. Next week, you're going to get some cards that are going to be like the gospel, and, and, and we are going to get a, a version of it today about how to share your story, but next week is going to be how to share God's story, which is the gospel of you're, you're lost, you need Jesus, he died on the cross, and those kind of things. Uh, we want you guys to walk out of here understanding your story and how to share your story. So I want to get practical with that. I talked about the command and the fears and what motivates us, and I think that is important. Like, I don't want anybody coming out of here and saying, I've got a story, but nobody wants to hear it. Uh, it. It's important for us to understand that if you are saved, you have a story. Every one of you. And, and I, I thought for the longest time that I didn't have a story because I couldn't tell people like, I went to prison for killing three people and I used to smuggle drugs and all this other stuff because I only went to prison for killing two. So I thought, <laughs> but, but I, yeah. So it was like, I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I, I, I never saw, and I do. But you know what? The thing is, that's my story. Amen. And so I'll, I'll, I'll actually give you guys my two-minute story here in a minute. I, w- I want you guys to hear an example of what that looks like when we get to that. But the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yeah, yeah it's, you have a story. So there is the God story that you roll into afterwards. But one of the greatest things that God's giving you is a story of how you got saved. And, and to share what God has done, we, we call this in Scripture to be a witness or to bear witness. And Acts 1-8 eight is, our, is our memory verse that we're going to go through. He said that you shall be a witness. And, and to bear witness, it literally means to carry that, to, to bear it up and to share it with others. And it's, it's so easy to do. Uh, Danny and Christine, is, Christine's my sister and Danny is my brother-in-law. And they used to go to church years ago, then they moved to... 
Alabama, and Danny came up to me and told me something that shocked me. He grew up in, in Ohio, and he said, Tony, I'm just going to just tell you something that I, I haven't told a lot of people, but I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I've, I've never been to Cedar Point, and I was so, so shocked, and I dealt with him, and uh, I said, Danny, I don't know how you could grow up in Ohio and not go to Cedar Point, and so I, we, we had a good heart-to-heart, and uh, I, I started telling him about how they got rid of the top thrill dragster that went 120 miles per hour and went 420 feet in the air. Millennium Force, 93 miles per hour in a 310-foot drop. Would anybody want to do that? Let me tell you, for somebody that loves roller coasters, that is the bomb. <clears throat> they have Steel Vengeance. Steel Vengeance is one of the best roller coasters ever created on the earth, and it is in Cedar Point, in Ohio. Has anybody rode Steel Vengeance before in this room? It is an epic, amazing, awesome roller coaster. I can't even explain it. It's a hybrid roller coaster. So while we're there, and I began to tell Danny all these different things about it, and he said, Tony, he said, I think I can get out of work tomorrow. What if, we get, what if I stay one extra day and we go to Cedar Point? And I'm like, I got so much to do, I can't get out of work. And he was calling Christine, and then we're calling home to try to do things, and they were trying to get with our kids to see who worked and who didn't, if they could stay another day. And it's amazing. When you get excited about something and you begin just to testify, all of a sudden it begins to be real to them because they're visualizing the story within you of the change. Now, one of the greatest illustrations in the Bible that we have of this is the woman at the well. Okay, and the woman, we know the story of Jesus going out of his way to talk, but the Bible says, and the woman left her water pot, went away into the city, and saith unto the men, come see the man which told me everything I've ever did. Is this not the Christ? What does Christ mean? Messiah. Messiah. Is this not the Messiah? <clears throat> the anointed one of God. And, and, and then, you know what they did? They came in like, what got into her? And the city came to experience, because she was bearing witness of what God did in her life. Now, here's the thing. Every one of you have a story, and you can get excited and share what God's done in your life because it's your story. So here's some practical tips of doing this. Here are some key aspects of this. Number one, just care for people. Jesus did this all the time. He cared for people. Guys, he cared for people. <clears throat> it's the same thing of me getting up to go put my arm around that guy and pray with him as he's sitting in the hospital room when he had nobody around him, just showing care. And, and it's going to open their eyes that you genuinely care about me. The second thing is prayer. Once you've stepped into their need, ask them, how can I pray for you? Prayer is powerful. You talk about ministering to their hearts. And if, if anybody knows the ministry that I try to do after church on Sundays, especially in Connecting Point, I get to know who they are, and, I, and, and when I'm doing that, and I ask them the question, is there anything that I can pray with you about? Because what they're about to do is I'm about to be able to minister to the need that's on their heart at the minute. And God's called us to minister to people. To the, the, the ministry uh, that he's given us is to care for people, to show them that you care, to lift up their need before God, and then also to share. Share your story, testify, bear witness. Now, here's the story outline that we're going to work on here in a minute. Um, I, I want you to share three aspects that can be broken down and, and, and explained easily in three minutes, two to three minutes. That's the goal. That, that when it comes to sharing your story, your life before you met Jesus Christ. And like I said, everybody's is different. The struggles, the brokenness, the pain, the, the, the dysfunctionality that you had in your home, 
maybe addictions, the loneliness, the hopelessness, the anger that you did? And then secondly, how did you come to know Christ? How, how did Christ wake you up and help you see your need of salvation? And then explain to him how your life has been changed after coming to know Christ. I have peace in my life, or man, God's done so many things, or God's blessed my family and things. Let me do this for a minute. I, I grew up in a great home, and, and the thing about it is, let me just, and I'm, I'm talking to you guys right now like I'd share it with somebody else. I, a lot of times we have the idea that it's being bad or good, but can I just tell you my, my upbringing growing up? I, I grew up in a home that I always had my mom and dad. They'd never been through divorce. I never had any of those issues. But I went to church so often as a kid that I got indoctrinated to knowing the terms, and I knew the songs, and I can literally almost say the books of the Bible like forward and backwards because I did them so much. I had the awards I had the plaques. I, I, I went through all the programs. I won the prizes during vacation Bible school. When I was a kid, we went to this church, and at the end of the service on a Sunday night, they gave an invitation, and my friend group that I was with went forward, and they were knelt down at the altar, and the guy looked at all of us and said, would you like to receive Jesus Christ? And they, they did. And he came to me, and he said, Tony, would you like to? And I'm like, sure, you know, and I did it. But to be honest, I said the words but I didn't even know what I was really praying. Just kind of went through the, the motions of it. But afterwards, I kind of felt like I was saved, but there was still an emptiness in my life. We went to a camp, and while we were sitting in the camp, the pastor got up and preached a message about Zacchaeus. Now, I've heard the message of Zacchaeus a lot of times in my life, but not like this. He was talking about being so close to Jesus, but not being able to break through to be able to connect to Jesus, but Jesus broke through to get to him. And I said, that night, it connected to me on a way that I've never had. And I said, conviction came in. And I, I was just really, where God worked in my heart, God opened my eyes in a way that I've never had before. I, I, it was real in that night. It wasn't the preacher that talked me into coming. It was literally something in my heart told me that I was missing out and I truly needed to accept Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, after that, I had such a peace that came over my life. And I, I started reading my Bible and not because I had to, I had, I had a drive inside of me, and when we preachers would talk about if you die and go to hell or not, I knew that I'd go to heaven, and I had a peace in my heart that is indescribable, that it didn't matter what I heard or experienced in the world. I knew that I was right with God. Do you have that? Yes. And, and, and so, guys, I didn't. And, and so it's important that you just share your story in that way, but here's a couple of things to remember, and then we'll wrap this up. Okay, don't use phrases that they won't understand. I, you know, don't get it. I'm, listen, brother, I'm redeemed by the blood of God, sanctified by the atonement gift of Jehovah Jireh. Where they're going to be like, what? You know, like, I think they just spoke in tongues. You know, just, they have no idea what you just said. And all that might be true. But you can share your story without going into every term you've ever memorized by going through discipleship deep dive. Number two, witnessing. Sharing your story and bear witness is a work of the Spirit of God, not you. Amen. You guys hear my heart when I say this. And it's so vital to understand that you don't try to convince them to say a prayer. You're not giving a sales pitch. You're not selling a car. You are, you are, you're not, it, it, the Bible talks about those that win in souls is wise. But if they don't receive Christ in that moment, you did not lose that soul. You're not a soul loser and a soul winner when we do this. Our job is to share truth and sow the seed. 
The Bible in Luke talks about the parable of the sower. Sower went out to sow his seed. Now, the Bible explains in verse 11. Now, the parable is this. This seed is the word of God. Now, now just take the illustration that Jesus himself was giving. What do you do? You take the seed, you throw the seed, you plant the seed, and then how do you make it grow? You take care of it, you pray over it, but there's nothing. You don't, you don't get down in that dirt and go, you can do it. You know, it's like... There's no motivational speech to that 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 seed that's going to make it grow. Yeah, yes. Unless you throw some miracle grow on it, but that's another illustration for another time. I am, and that's why in First Corinthians, Paul said, "I have planted in Apollo's water, but God gave the increase." You let the Spirit of God do the work in their life. And that is why when I was a kid, I said the prayer, but I, I, I didn't have it. I just, you want to say this prayer. And let me tell you, during vacation Bible school, I promise you we could have every single child say the sinner's prayer. Yeah. And be able to put that, you know, on, on the stats of the church and be like, look at that. And, and then all we did was breed confusion. Because I could say to any kid at any time, do you, want to, do you want to go to heaven? I'm like, what kid's going to be like, no. I'm like, I do. And so you do that, and all of a sudden, you're not allowing the Spirit of God to work in their life. It is the work of the Spirit of God. It's our job is to share the truth, to spread it. Now, let me just say with that, it's not just enough for you to live the example in front of them, because a lot of people talk about that lifestyle evangelism. Now, let me just tell you, I do believe in lifestyle evangelism. You should live a lifestyle that is demonstrating Jesus Christ, okay? Through what you say, how you act, how you treat people, all of the above. You should live a life. But the Bible never says that just stop there and just live the life. Because I've had people say, I don't really share the truth with them, but I live the life. Well, that's just half of it. Don't get me wrong. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is them. And that is so important. But the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preaching the gospel is words. To get them to the point where you're going to open your lips up and talk to them about it. Be ready to give them an answer. And I'll just say this because I want to tie this in the last week. I want you, I want you to know that all this stuff is discipleship making. So the last part of it is just a, a point that we caught and pasted into this week's note. Uh, when, when the Spirit of God is at work, we receive the Spirit of God when the Spirit of God draws believers unto Christ. It is, it is the, the Word of God, like I said last week, it goes out and returns and does the work and works in the hearts and minds. The Spirit of God brings conviction. He teaches. He illuminates. He turns on the light in their minds. This is why I was talking about my brother Denny, how he pulled that string and all of a sudden I could see in a way that I couldn't see before. The Holy Spirit of God does that. You are dead in your trespasses and sin, and the Holy Spirit does the work. Then the Holy Spirit convicts the believer. He will reprove the world of sin. That's why I love leading people to the questions when we get to that point and just asking them, are you ready? Do you have any questions? And man, when they're ready, you'll know they're ready.